questions. Uh, I want to come at that this evening, um, uh, just kind of thinking, what kind of uh, posture, in a sense, what kind of attitude do we have as Christians? Not everyone here may call themselves a Christian, but what kind of attitude do we have uh, as we kind of are in the world uh, in 2023, uh, this point in time, uh, the world as it is, um, and what does that look like? And I, I guess I should say at the start a, a couple of things that, um, and we, I suggested that we, we're kind of thinking about hospitality and not hostility, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about hospitality, and it's got a, a few senses to it. So if you came thinking, is Paul going to give me a kind of recipe guide? Um, that's not quite what it is, but it's partly that, um, but we'll see. Uh, but also, a lot of what I'm, well, really, what I'm talking uh, to you about um, comes from a couple of articles that um, I read uh, over the summer. I've been reflecting on quite a bit. One was written by Tim Keller before he died, um, and then uh, he wasn't able to write the second one. So uh, his, a friend of his um, wrote uh, an article, and they were on this kind of topic and just raising some, I thought, some interesting questions for us for really our understanding, as we've said for this whole term, how, how should we expect uh, to be different um, and it includes, I guess, our engage, the way we engage with the world. So, before we uh, get going, um, uh, I'm aware it's a bit warm in here this evening, um, but you might want to turn to something nearby. Um, let's imagine for a moment an alien arrives uh, on, uh, and, and comes to you, uh, or an alien from some other place. An alien arrives, um, no looking at the person next to you as though they are the alien, um, and uh, they arrive, and they are interested in Christianity, um, and they look to you for advice as to how, as a Christian, would you navigate British, UK culture online or, or in person at the moment. Now, I, I, I've said UK culture because we could, it could go anywhere, really. But let's, let's sort of stick with where we are at the moment. But if you want to do something else. But an alien arrives, they're interested in Christianity. And they say to you, well, so how, as a Christian, do I navigate this whole world that we're in. Is it easy? Is it hard? What does it look like? What do you do? What do you not do? Are there things that you are cautious about, things that you're very you know, bold about? Uh, what would your advice be to this alien? A um, couple of minutes with somebody nearby. Okay. Um, so you've, you've, you've met your imaginary alien, and they were interested in Christianity, um, and you were so surprised, but you were then advising them on, on how to interact. And I don't know, I'd be interested, perhaps you can tell me afterwards, whether your sense of, uh, whether you thought that would just be an easy thing for them or a difficult thing, whether you would kind of counsel them to, to be wary of certain things or, or kind of engage with, with certain people. The, the online world is an interesting, how you feel as a Christian online. Now, some of you may be very bold and feel like this is, no, that's, that's actually my, that's my whole arena. That's where I, that's where I take everyone on. Or you might be, no, that's where I don't really mention my faith at all. Um, but those are the kinds of questions it would, it would raise, and it would it'd kind of highlight what, um, uh, what we're talking about this evening. So we, we had this very short reading from Acts, and I've, uh, at various points in our church uh, family life, and forgive me if you've not picked up on any of them, but we've looked at some of the early parts of Acts, because it often gives you a picture of the um, early church and what they were doing. And Luke, when he writes Acts, he often has these sort of paragraphs that tell you a little bit about uh, what was going on and this sort of snapshot. And one of them is this, and I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit before, um, that the, the believers, the early church, they used to meet together in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. Um, now, Solomon's Colonnade, if you don't know, um, is it's also known as Solomon's Porch or Solomon's uh, Portico. And you have to imagine a kind of 
in where the um, uh, where the, the temple area was, and the, there's a kind of temple district, and where the temple area was, it had various sections, uh, various places, and uh, not everyone was allowed into every section, depending on who you were, um, and uh, and whether you were. Um, uh, kind of a, a, a believer or not a believer, or as a, a Jewish person or not. Um, and the, and the, on the outermost part of it, so on the fringe of it, uh, there was this area called Solomon's, uh, Solomon's Porch, Solomon's Colonnade. Um, and you, kind of, you, you can Google it, you can find out a little bit about the history, and you can see this sort of, these sort of columns and this sort of area. And the believers were meeting there. Uh, and what Luke goes on to talk about is, so there they are, and they are... Uh, there is this kind of semi-public visibility that they have. Um, uh, we're told no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And there's a strange thing, set of things going on in which they seem to have some mixed responses. So some people are interested, some people um, really aren't. But they are in this space where, if you imagine for a moment, you've got the, the temple area. That's the the sort of the, the sacred dwelling place of God uh, with his people. Uh, you've got the outside world, um, and they are meeting at this point of intersection, this meeting place between the two. Now, the way I like, kind of, uh, this is where this article springs its first idea, and I'll sort of pick it up here, is the idea of a porch would perhaps make more sense if I depict it like this, which is a, um, uh, I'm going to think about what a porch is in a second. Um, uh, what a porch is here. Um, now, this is a lovely looking one, isn't it? Um, probably from America, I'm not sure. Uh, but you've got uh, a sort of lovely outdoor space, and you've obviously got the house to one side, you've got the porch there, and then, of course, there's the street, the rest of the, uh, um, the, rest of the world out uh, beyond it. Now, even now, you know, where I grew up, which is not anywhere like this, even where I grew up, there was the sense in which it was your house, uh, there was the street and, and where you were, and even, this might maybe connect with you a bit more, um, there was the doorstep in which you lived. And there were people around where I grew up, and they would be happy to come and talk on the doorstep. They never would to come into your house, but they were okay talking to you there on the doorstep. And so you've got this space between the streets and the rest of the world and your home. And it was a place where people were happy to chat. Now, in America, as the writer was American, he says, look, this, this kind of place, somebody's walking by on the street. They're happy to come up to the porch there, um, and they might even have a drink with you there. They're not going to necessarily want to come into your house, but they're okay in this middle space. Now, if you imagine what the early church is doing, in a way, is a little bit like that. The early church is there in this space between the kind of temple and that sort of sense of the, 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 you know, the, the dwelling place of God and where his people are. There's this kind of space of engagement where they are uh, living out their faith. And then there's the rest of the world uh, out there. And really that idea of so what, uh, the, 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 that there is a porch that they were, they were literally kind of meeting in as a useful sort of metaphor, picture for what it is to be a group of Christians in that interface between the world out there and the place that we might know sort of very familiarly as the church family that we have, the, the kind of the church here. And even if you think about it for a moment, there'll be people who walk along our street who might be happy to chat uh, if they sort of were in the car park. 
And occasionally I've met somebody who will be happy to chat in the car park. They would think to themselves, oh, I could never go into the church because somehow that's not my space. But I could chat there. And, of course, you might meet them on the street. So that idea, does that make sense? Of the, uh, porches are this middle ground between the sort of the insider world uh, of the church, of the temple, and the outside world. Now, um, why... <laughs> so the, the question we're going to ask, really, is why aren't there porches anymore? Um, why aren't there porches anymore? And I don't just mean why don't you have a nice house with a nice porch. Why aren't there porches anymore? And this really goes back, and this is one of, one of the things the um, uh, writer Tim Keller is kind of talking about, is he's saying that actually, if you go back a good, you know, 100, 150 years... Uh, Europe in particular had kind of got itself into a place, and I guess various other parts of the West, had got themselves into a place where they had been reasonably Christianized. They'd been reasonably sort of, they had a background in Christianity, Christianity had spread. Now, there'd be lots of people who aren't necessarily believing Christians, but the environment they're in is very soaked with the culture of Christianity. There's a sort of general background understanding of Christianity. And in a sense, then, to live in Europe, to live in somewhere like the UK, if you go back a number of decades, was almost like you lived in the porch with everyone. You lived in the forecourt, the porch, the, uh, the, the colonnade, if you like. You lived in that middle space because the culture over, you know, really many centuries had become very Christianized. Um, people had a certain set of uh, values and understandings which were largely drawn from Christianity. So the whole, the, the environment in which you were was very much drawing on that. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, and that was a terrible idea because everyone then sort of didn't really, they, they sort of nominally Christian or they just thought they were Christian. Um, perhaps we'll you know, reflect on that. But as historians have looked and said, well, actually that has drifted away and has faded away, has ebbed and gone, and we don't live in that kind of environment anymore. Um, what it means is that uh, people, um, uh, if you go back a number of decades, they had some, they had some things, some things to hang their, their sort of worldview, their, their way of thinking um, off. And there are sort of four of them here that you might um, uh, come up with. So they might have had uh, just a, at least a, a general sense that there's a creator, uh, judge, figure. Somebody out there is responsible for all this. Um, that there are some kinds of moral standards um, and, you know, you, you, in general, they would have come from a kind of Christian worldview. Uh, they have some sense, then, of not meeting those standards, um, of some sense of sin. I've said sin, falling short, whatever that may be. There's the kind of culture that we have, some sense in which that's not uh, uh, met anymore, but this forgiveness is possible, or, some, or forgiveness might be necessary. Um, and that there's some kind of afterlife. Again, you know, whatever you make of it, and if you, you know, if you read any books from 100 years ago or you watch any films from um, even 60, 70 years ago, you, you'll find those sorts, of, those sorts of things are just in the culture. People have got that sort of sense, that background sense of what... Um, uh, they, they're, the, they are, they're the kind of dots. Um, and so what it meant was, so what was the church needed to do back then? Well, the church, what the church had to do was kind of come along and go... You're sort of swimming in these kind of waters and we'll come along and we'll connect all those dots for you. So you're somebody there and you've got a vague sense that there's a God out there. 
and that perhaps life isn't going quite as you thought it should do, or you're not kind of, uh, um, your, your, your sense of how you've fallen short of some standard of your own. And let me connect those dots for you and tell you that's what the Bible calls sin. Um, and you're thinking, well, I don't, I, I don't like living like that. So, well, let me connect those dots with you and say, do you know, somebody's made it possible for you to be forgiven. His name is Jesus Christ. Um, or you say some, and you're, you're approaching uh, uh, life thinking, I, I care about where I go in the next life. I'm worried about whether I'll go to heaven or hell. And they say, well, listen, you don't want to go to hell, do you? So let me tell you about the forgiveness through Jesus. That means you don't have to. And they come along and you kind of connect all those dots up. And all the dots are there. They just don't quite know. And you, if you can trace all those lines, and then someone goes, thank you, I'll become a Christian. Maybe. Um, but now, we live in a world where those dots don't exist in the same way. People don't have them in quite the same, uh, uh, I guess, underlying sense. And so it's not as straightforward to just come along and go, you know all these things really, let's connect the dots. And the high point of this, I guess, historians would say, was the sort of Billy Graham rallies. If you've ever read or heard anything about Billy Graham, uh, you know, he's got, he kind of swept through different nations. He came to the UK, and lots of people, he was able to come, and very quickly, you kind of preach a message that connects the dots for everyone, and people came forward. And there are plenty of people I know who will say that actually my tes- their testimony goes back to a Billy Graham rally. It was as though everything suddenly made sense. All the things that were sort of there, they connected them all up, they gave their life to Jesus. And that time, that was kind of probably the high point and the last of it. And so we live in a, a slightly different world now. Um, that kind of Christianized Europe and Christianized West, Christendom, if you want to call it that, has faded away and has gone. It's no longer there. And so it means that the environment that we're in, the world that we're in, is no longer that kind of obvious porch, that meeting space. And you could even, if you think about it, it's even you could map it literally geographically out there. So Manchester, if you don't know, this bit of Manchester... Uh, it used to be all around here. Um, Man City's football ground used to be just over the way, um, uh, really not very far. Uh, it was the uh, older white working class uh, kind of scene uh, around here, and geographically, it is it is it kind of it has moved away. Man City have left, obviously got lots of money. Uh, that large, many of those folk have moved, or at least have sort of migrated away from this area here. We've had lots and lots of people who move in who come with different worldviews and different backgrounds. So you wouldn't expect to walk up the Curry Mile, for example, and imagine everyone's got all those dots necessarily in exactly that way, would you? And you could almost say you could, you could see it take place here geographically, even in the environment that we're in. So it's really, it's really interesting when you think about what has happened. So what does it mean, then, if you live in a world where um, uh, there's no longer this, just this obvious middle ground, obvious porch space, where someone's happy to chat to you about the Christian faith. Actually, they may be much less inclined to chat to you. They may be more hostile. So in a, in a kind of British culture sense, you say, well, actually, things have moved. People no longer view Christianity sort of warmly or sympathetically. They view it as perhaps uh, harmful in some way, uh, or very narrow, uh, or toxic, that w- what it's kind of conveying is somehow antithetical to and, and opposed to 
the sort of values that they would say we should all have. So there's a kind of hostility that's moved in, a, a more difficult environment uh, to, uh, to speak about um, Christianity. And it's not as straightforward to just kind of wander out and imagine everyone's got all those things ready and you could just connect the dots. And I think that's really interesting for a church and a church like us. And if you think about Sundays and the number of people who come in through the doors, they come in with very, just very different things. Now, obviously, things have brought them here, but very different sense of worldview, very different ideas, perhaps, of how the world works. And if we just assume that, they've got all the basic building blocks that you might think a Christian would want them to have, then I think we're probably making a mistake. So, how you build porches. So what do you do with that? You have to start to think, okay, so how do you create spaces where that becomes possible? Um, I'm going to just uh, tell you, um, so this is, this is, so I can, you know, at least give you some of Tim Keller's words because they're, uh, they're quite helpful. Um, this is what he kind of summarizes uh, his sense of what needs to happen. Um, he says, so rather like the early church, um, and the church through the non-Western world. So interesting, he's not, he doesn't deal too much with it, but he, the, he sort of alludes to the fact that this might be different in the non-Western world. Uh, so like the early church and the non-Western world, congregations in the West must learn to create their own porches or forecourts where people can enter a relational process and be prepared to hear and understand and perhaps embrace the gospel. That again, he says they need to learn to. We need to learn to create our own porches or forecourts where people can enter a relational process and be prepared to hear and understand and perhaps embrace the gospel. Um, so, what it's talking about is how do Christians, Christian communities, Christian churches, how do we think about building porches? How do we think about creating spaces where people can engage with the faith? And in particular, um, to be exposed to um, Christianity in, uh, in an informal, informative, and, and positive way. Basically, where they can see and um, taste and experience a little of Christianity in a place where you haven't yet had to make all the commitments. A bit like with a porch... You might be willing to say, yes, I'm happy to have a cup of tea with you on the porch. So I'm happy to do that. I'm not necessarily, I'm not saying I'm coming into your house, but I'm happy to have a cup of tea and chat. And it comes, so three, three things, that's kind of exposure to Christianity to say, actually, uh, they need to be able to see it, they need to be able to hear it, and they need to be able to question it. So they need to be able to see it, um, and it might be through some service in the community, some way in which the church says, we are going to build a porch, I use that as a phrase, a metaphor, build a porch where we are going to serve a certain group of people or serve the community in some way so that they can see what it is we believe about the Christian faith, where they can see how it flows into service of others to put others first. They can see it perhaps um, in the arts uh, or in education, so they actually see it in uh, in the you know, whether it's music or uh, the visual arts or some way in which they can um, experience uh, Christian belief in some way that they can kind of engage with that without having to commit to everything to it. Um, it's interesting when you think about our carol services, for example. Lots of people who come and love our carol services at Christmas. 
because they're saying, you know, there's something about the, there's something about the music, there's something about the Christmas carols. Is there some way in which they engage with that? Um, education. So, again, one of the really interesting things is if you go back in history, so the foundation of how much of Christianity shaped the culture in, uh, in the UK was through schools. Um, and Christians were behind so many of the development of so many schools. Um, and it's really interesting. And it's just it's interesting watching the Church of England wrestle with uh, why it doesn't have many young people anymore and what has happened to its, its schools and its schools ministry and so on. It's an interesting question. But they, so they need to be able to see it. What that means is they need to be able to kind of engage with it in some way where you're saying, would you have a cup of tea on the porch? They're not saying, would you come into the house? Can you do that? They need to be able to hear it, and they need to be able to hear it uh, in their own language. So again, if you, uh, if you got up and, you know, 70, 80 years ago you said, there's a creator who made you, and we've turned away and you're a sinner, and forgiveness and salvation are possible, uh, and one day you can be united with Christ in heaven. And that is a whole set of jargon. That if you have no background in Christianity or you come from a completely different worldview, you may have no idea what any of that means. So how do you hear it in language that you understand of what it means to be a human in this world and to, to think and experience the things that we do? How do you engage it? How do you hear it? How do you hear the message of Jesus in that? How do we communicate that? So the key part of it. And then to question it. And it needs to be a space where it is, and this is going to finally bring us towards hospitality, uh, you need to be able to question it. Porches are the place where you could have a cup of tea with somebody and someone comes and says to you, do you know, I really like Manchester City. And you as a diehard Manchester United fan or Arsenal fan or whatever it might be, says, that's great. I love having you here. I totally disagree with you. But you're so welcome to have some tea. You're not going to send them away because they have that totally different view. You're going to say, actually, do you know, let's, we can debate it. We can see. We can, you, you tell me why you, love, uh, why you love Manchester City so much. I'll tell you why I love Arsenal, whatever it might be. Um, no one tell me the results yet from this evening. Um, uh, so, but that, that sense in which you, it's a place where it can be questioned. A porch is a place where you can chat about things. And you can do so in a kind of non-defensive way. Um, and so it brings, us, uh, it brings us to hospitality, and it brings us to hospitality as a kind of mindset um, and not just, uh, not just a sort of practical set of things, but both, both together. So Christianity, uh, so hospitality, um, in that, if you imagine we're asking how would you build a porch and what would it look like and what would you do there? You would want hospitality that is both hands and hearts. Now, hands, in the sense of, actually, it might well be that we're serving people. So, for example, we've uh, put on meals in different ways to try and um, open up our doors a bit. Now, it's very practical. We're saying, come and have some food. You might, on a porch, say, come and have a cup of tea. But it's also heart. And by heart, I mean it's about our disposition. It's about our sense of posture. It's about how we approach this. We're saying, do you know, it would be so lovely to chat with you and hear how you view the world. Now, I might disagree with you. Uh, I may have a very different view about how the world works. But I'm really interested to hear how you think it works, to ask you questions, 
to say, do you know, it, it, that's interesting because that's different to the way a Christian would view the world. And to just raise that and to do so in a place where you're saying, actually, I don't need to do that defensively. I can engage with you. I can hear your questions. I can perhaps put some questions to you. Because we're in a space where we're saying, actually, let's, let's explore this. Now, to do that well, and I'm just sort of raising, sort of raising some of these. To do that well, you have, to, you have to be able to hold on to what you believe and know that sort of in yourself, your conviction about what you believe, about the Christian faith, about Jesus, yet do so and speak about it non-defensively. So when somebody says, I think Christianity is quite toxic, actually, our posture isn't one that says, okay, now I need to sort of tool up uh, and ready to respond to you. Actually, it might be to say, that's really interesting. Have you ever experienced church in some way that's kind of led you to think that? and to hear, and to see, and creating those porch spaces, because I guess our culture, it's, our culture has changed in such a way that they're not readily there. Now, I hope this is, <laughs> I hope this is kind of making sense. So hospitality in that sense is both, you see, it's both hands and heart. It's both practical. Some of it is actually very practical. So it might be uh, putting together some um, uh, meals. It might be some arts events where actually practically speaking, you're using, you know, the use of uh, our hands, bodies, uh, tongues, lips, whatever it might be, are putting on some kind of arts event where Christianity can be considered, explored, or at least there's a, there's a space where some of that is open to people. Uh, it might be lots of different things. And actually, what I want to just for two minutes is just to say, so at this point, you might be wondering, um, I don't know, are there other examples that you have seen of this um, uh, anywhere. Have you seen it anywhere? Have you seen it at any churches? Have you seen it here at Platts? Are there things that you, we do here that you think, oh, it's kind of like a porch? Um, are there things that you've seen elsewhere? Are there things that you've seen in, in workplaces or, or other um, organizations where, where, where somebody is trying to create a porch space? Um, have you seen that? If your question is, I, or your, what you're currently thinking is, I don't really understand anything Paul's talking about, then you can at least ask somebody nearby. But Porches. Have you seen any porches at work uh, in other churches, in churches here? Have you seen anything we've been doing that's sort of like that? So have a minute or so, and then we'll come back together and finish. Okay, um, I'm, I'm conscious that it, it's maybe something we could carry on chatting about afterwards. So I want to just bring this into land, and we're going to share bread and wine in just a second. But it's just worth thinking, for those of you who do know Platt, and I appreciate not everyone will, just... One of the reasons why we do some of the things that we do is to create some of those porch spaces. Um, we run a book club, um, uh, which actually Grace runs. She's sitting there. We run a book club, which is, uh, in one sense, it, it's, uh, it's one of the examples, actually, that uh, Tim Keller has. A book club where people can come and discuss different ideas. And actually, you're creating a space. You're creating a porch space where people can engage with, with things. Now, they're not necessarily saying, I'm here to hear about Christianity. But they're here to be exposed to Christians, thinking about ideas in the world. Uh, we have, I mentioned our, our, some meals that we've run in different ways. Uh, on, a, on a Tuesday morning, we run um, splats, which is for parents and carers and uh, uh, little ones, preschoolers. Uh, lots of different people come. Again, it's, no one's saying this is what it's, uh, that you're here to hear about Christianity. But you're here to meet and chat with Christians, to actually see how do they live. What kind of hospitality do they show when they chat uh, to you? 
uh, we started a job club. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of, it brings people in. Again, we know it's primarily there to help them with the things that they are looking for as they're looking to gain work. But it's being done by Christians who would have an opportunity at some point to say, actually, the reason we're here doing this is because of our faith in Jesus. Um, you might find it in a... a so Tim Keller gives some other examples. He talks about a Christian school might uh, be that kind of place uh, or, a, or a school with a Christian ethos, or that can mean different things in different cultures. Kind of a school with a Christian ethos or a Christian school. Um, in, a, in the New Testament, in one sense, it was just a, a, a hospitable home. There were slightly larger um, spaces than ours are, I think, with, with a few more people who came and went. So there was a, an engagement where you were creating a space for people to come and engage. And interestingly, one, I was reflecting on the fact that we... So we put our services online. Um, now, lots of people uh, have some different thoughts on that. But one of the reasons we do, and one of the reasons we put our whole service online from beginning to end is because we're saying, actually, this is a porch space. You can watch this if you want to, and you can see, and you can engage. No one's asking you to come in. But the number of people who have then come along and said, oh, I was watching online, and I thought I'd come. And actually, it's just a kind of part, and, and one of the reasons we, we, we do put the whole service on so that people can see not just, uh, I don't know, not just what is said in a sermon, but how people interact and what is prayed for and what is sung and what is so on and so forth. So um, part of this is just throwing out a lot of stuff for you to kind of, you know, as ever, spin around in your minds and, and hopefully let's percolate Um, We're going to share bread and wine together, and I guess hospitality is hands and heart. Actually, if you think about what Jesus was doing in his ministry, actually, and and as he set the table and shared bread and wine, he did so doing both of those things, that that, that practical service, and actually you see it through his ministry as he served people and cared for people, as he did those things, but he did it with this posture uh, of of a non-defensive posture. He knew what he was coming to do. He was coming to, to lay down his life for people. He was open to hear, he was engaging. The number of conversations and dialogues and questions he answers. He sort of lived his life kind of carrying around this porch space so often, saying, let's chat this through. Why are you doing this? What are you really looking for in life? And he did it alongside his care and his going to meals and his practical service of people. And we'll remember that at the table as we share bread and wine.